Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to Geeking In. Uh, the nights are drawing in, it is getting colder and darker, and I am sitting here wrapped in my um, Batman dressing gown, uh, so let's uh, let's have some fun. I am Jay, I'm your party host, so grab your bourbon, your beer, your brew, or your Beecham's as it is flu season, and we want you to stay well, Nurse Jay recommends, um, and get ready for uh, some more conversation. Um, and I am joined, as always, by our incredible, our invincible, our infamous futurist, Al Tony Stark. How are you doing, T? Hello, listeners. Hello, gents. As always, it's really good to be here. And uh, we, of course, have our um, Mr. Fantastic, our flexible friend, the pyjama prince that was promised. How you doing, B? We tie. Mm. Can we have that one again? We tie. I just like how enthusiastic you are about it. <laughs> um, no. No? Okay. No, I've not got... I mean, I know you said European, but... Um, okay, so... Nordic? Uh, no. Um, so, we tie uh, is hello in Polish. For our Polish-speaking listeners, oh. absolutely, and um, we continue to grow um, the, the 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 languages and the the, the family listening um, as our listeners continue to grow from Hemelheads to, to Dublin to Oregon and beyond. So, thank you very much for getting involved in the conversation. Thank you very much for continuing to rate, to review, subscribe, or share. Um, and you know, get involved in the conversation at Geeking and Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, tell us what you're up to. Tell us where you are. Tell us what you're enjoying. Tell us what you're looking forward to. Uh, whatever you need to. And whilst you are at the uh, our bios at Geeking and Pod, you will see our Linktree link that takes you to various things, including ways to listen, and our Teespring store that has T-shirts, mugs, and masks available to it. Um. And if you order them, they will get to you quickly. Maybe not, however, as quickly as cinema uh, films are going to go on to premium video on demand, uh, following Universal Pictures striking a deal with Cinemark Entertainment. Now, this is similar to the, the uh, deal that they struck with uh, AMC Cinemas um, earlier in the uh, pandemic in July um, and now runs that uh, after a cinematic release of a film, Universal Pictures could put it up for premium video demand rental in as little as 17 days after the initial release. Well, now, historically, this was the big gap. This is where cinemas made their money because you would get multiple views, multiple watches multiple screens out of these things they would have they would have um a window uh, sometimes up to six months or that may be shorter that may be my blockbuster days coming back into play <laughs> um but you would have a window where it would be cinema um centric before moving on to others um but uh it obviously is moving with the the, the 
focus and the time, um, and therefore that has been reduced dramatically. How does a 17-day window between a cinematic debut and available for you to watch on your couch in PVOD um, impact your cinema-going plans? Is this just um, is this just for the pandemic, or is this going no, forward this is forever? Going, this is their new model. Oh wow! Yeah, not impressed. <laughs> Why not? Well, I, you know, I, I love cinema going, and you know, going forward, who knows if cinemas are going to be around much longer? It's you know it's heartbreaking to see what's happening out there. And, and, you know, I know there's bigger things at play, um, but cinema was my one pleasure that I, you know, I, I loved and, you know, being a, a cinema member, I, I made full use of it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's breaking my heart to think that potentially it's the end of the cinema as we, as we know it. I mean, so the thing, they're still getting a cinematic release. They're just much sooner available. Uh, I know, but who's who's going to go? I mean, you know, I know we, we talked about it on previous podcasts that going to the cinema is, is, is all about the experience. It's not just watching the, you know, the release on a big screen. It's it's mm. more than that. But obviously, if, if, you know, if people had the choice of watching it's something, you know, sitting in front of their, you know, TV at home, you know, they, they can have uh, lube rates whenever they want. They can pause, they can rewind, um, they can turn it up, um, you know, all of that. What what hope is there for cinema? Yeah, so, so I suppose even pre-pandemic, I've talked about how my, as much as I love cinema going, my cinema going is drastically reduced. And the films I choose to go to watch in the cinema are those are the big sort of cinematic, you know, films that are better served in cinema than, than at home. I don't think that's ever to do with release dates for me. So I'm not at a position where I can't wait to watch it and therefore I'm going to watch it in the cinema and the wait being shorter is going to speed it up for me. I think I sort of early on decide this is a cinema film or a home film and if it's a home film, I'm quite comfortable waiting at home uh, for however many months it is because, you know, we're not really, let's be honest, we're not really lacking in content uh, uh, anymore. Um, so I can't necessarily think of a lot of films where, for me anyway, this would change. But certainly I can imagine those people who are, you know, always want to get ahead of sort of everything being spoiled on the, on the internet, that kind of stuff, would want to go out there. Uh, that's going to have an impact. It's also going to have a huge impact on just um, clips and things being on YouTube. And piracy. Piracy, yeah, exactly. Um, do you remember after we all watched uh, Endgame and then we kept trying to find sort of, uh, you know, those moments to share with each other when, you know, Mjolnir comes back to camp yeah. like that? And it was all bizarre and grainy and just, you know, clearly just someone captured on their phone and we were still sharing them with each other because we just wanted to, you know, relive that 
just just for a second. Um, and in fact, now that I think about it, my second viewing of things, my third viewings of things, probably, yeah, I probably will just watch them at home because I know they'll be available in 17 days. So that second end game, or maybe not that second, that third, well, maybe not that, that seventh end game watch might have been at home rather than the cinema if it's going to be available at home. So under the multi-year deal struck by the two movie industry juggernauts, any universal movie that opens at a domestic box office to $50 million or more can be made available on PVOD as early as 31 days after its initial release. In similar fashion, any Universal, DreamWorks, Animation or Force feature, Focus feature movie that doesn't open to that amount can be made available on PVOD after just 17 days. So if it makes the 50 million mark, then you have to wait a month. If it doesn't, you have to wait 17 days. I think there's an interesting thing there in the sense of does it, there are going to be some films that might not creep to 50 million. Because mm-hmm. if I don't go to the cinema, I only have to wait two and a bit weeks and I can watch it on my couch at three o'clock in the morning, however I want to. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I go, then I get to see it this weekend, but my second viewing might not be for another month. But even 31 days. I mean, you know, if you think that, and this is universal and it'll be interesting to see how others follow suit, but we know Disney's model is far more about streaming content and, and you know, aiming far more for that as their, their model, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think that, you know, so May, I think it was that um, Endgame opened, June you could watch it for the second, third time um, on your couch. Mm. See, in that time, I would have been to the cinema about five times, six times, seven times. Yeah, but so this is this is going to be the weird thing, because you would have been to the cinema that many times partially because, as you said, you know, your cinema, cinema world membership means you can. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know how that tracks against box office because that's a prepaid ticket. So if you're Cine World member memberships, what seventeen twenty pound a month? Yeah. Average ticket price is what twelve pound fifty, fifteen pound mm. somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. So if you've gone three times, is that counting as in essence three adult tickets towards that cost, or have they said that's you know twenty divided by three as part of the thing? In which case, how does that balance against that 50 million? Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's that kind of, you know, would, would cinemas be doing that sort of thing going forward? Because their window is, is now far shorter. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so films will be shorter, have a short lifespan in, in the big screens. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the moment you reach that 31 day limit, there's very little point having it on a screen anymore mm. because your drop off on it's probably going to be quite heavy, I would think. Mm, or it just, okay, I suppose it changes what kind of films do and don't hang around cinema. 
you know, um, the more something is screened, obviously, the more money it makes. Um, and, you know, people will start planning to only really bother with the big budget ones on cinema. Um, or, or does it go the other way? And this opens the door for an indie and, and low budget revival because I no longer have five screens of my eight taken up by the latest Marvel film for the next three months. Yeah, this is true. So is that that, you know, I get four screens back and I need content, I need films, and therefore, you know, your 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 more indie film that wouldn't have got a theatrical release now does because the, the shelf life of these films, they're no longer going to run for a quarter. They're gonna run for a month quite heavy. And then drop off after that. So what I'm getting from this to save cinema, firstly, be you need to cancel your Cineworld subscription and pay for cinema tickets each time you go in. Cineworld might take care of that for him, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And there was always my suggestion earlier for having snipers in the cinema for anyone looking at. <laughs> that that is not a a geeking endorsement of that <coughs> policy. Yeah, but obviously that would also affect your video on demand as well. Because yeah, because it'd be dead, <laughs> and and it ramps up the cleaning costs. Mm. I I think people would pay the extra just to know you know no one's going to be looking at their phone at the screen. I, I mean, you know, all you'd need is to accidentally hit your phone and the screen to light up and, and you'd be gone. Maybe, all right, maybe the, the real alternative is just giant Faraday cages around all cinemas. No signals. <laughs> and, and, you know, I guess if, if you are that type of person who, who struggles to concentrate during a film, then wait 17 days. Yes. You can actually watch it on your phone. <laughs> this is true. There was that that streaming service, wasn't there? Where it was all about Quibi. Quibi, that's the one. Been and gone, yes. <laughs> that's for those have, people. They have uh, they have pulled the plug because, um, yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting. It's one of those models that's that's quite interesting on paper, but you never really quite understand what it's meant to do. But it's meant it was far more that kind of. Um, commuter style you know you're, you're grabbing you know 10 minutes here or there kind of thing um and then obviously with the pandemic the viewing patterns changed because no one's commuting anymore so yeah you know, and i know they they blame the collapse on you know the commuting but they had some bizarre decisions in that whole thing anyway but you you couldn't share anything on on social media yeah, you could, you could like share links to it or anything. So um, people, and then the whole thing about it needs to work uh, portrait in portrait mode on your phone. Yeah, really awkwardly clock. Having said that, I was watching the the Zack Snyder or the latest fifty millionth Zack Snyder Justice League trailer that came out three hours ago. Is that the black and white? Um, one? No, 
Or maybe, I, I, you know what, they're all the same, aren't they? <laughs> I, do you know what, I saw that come out and I thought I wouldn't share it and I'll get us to talk about it because we have talked about it at length. So this will not be something that we, we tag the show as Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, has it, it, has it sold you? Fucking like, aspect ratio of like an old school TV. <laughs> so it looked all right on my phone because I was looking at it in portrait mode. It was basically almost in portrait mode. And I'm there thinking, Jesus, man, no one has a TV of that aspect ratio anymore. Everyone owns a widescreen TV. Who the fuck are you making this for? I mean, who the fuck are you making for this for yeah. is a fairly good comment just throughout. Generally. Uh, <laughs> as Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, it's going gonna, gonna to be awesome. Don't, don't. You know, be positive. <laughs> it will be good. It will blow your brains out. If, if that doesn't, and if you don't, the, the, sniper, the, the sniper, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is. Brothers were doing, I think, Civil War, or, or maybe it was a Winter Soldier. They tried to make it um, honest, trailer-proof. Uh, so they, what, they planned their own film going, what's going to be ripped apart in this film? Let's try and catch those early on. Yeah. I feel like Zack Snyder's doing it the other way. With, you know, what would be love in this film? Here is a gift to the internet. We are going to create memes and, and parodies for life. So here is a gift. I, yeah, I mean, once we work out what the international viewing rights of, of Zack Snyder's Justice League maxi-series is... Um, I think we're going to have fun with that. And I think that even though we will obviously try and be as spoiler-free as possible, I think we will almost have to have a segment for the four weeks or whatever it's set for so that we can watch and then discuss piece by piece the the, the masterpiece that is bound to be Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm very sure the amount of trailers that have come out you can piece together four hours of screen time already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and all the songs that aren't anywhere near a soundtrack because they haven't paid for that piece. Um, <sighs> although I did see I did see very briefly that um uh there was a comment that David Ayer's Suicide Squad trailer uh, cut was uh, expected to hit HBO Max in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two which uh, Air responded to by simply saying not true. <laughs> so so maybe release the air cut still has some um, life left to it. Um, I mean, it's... it's uh, I, I'm torn with the, the cinema news. I understand it. I think it makes sense. I think that... Um, there was always a certain amount. There's there's certain elements, there's certain technologies, there's certain practices that I think were en route. Um, uh, you know, the, the the CEO of Next, for instance, the, the retail shop over here in the UK has said that uh, he feels that this has sped the journey to online shopping up by about 10 years. Um, and I think there's a few things like that that have really kind of moved this along. And, and I think it needs to kind of have that more video on demand, streaming service style delivery on some of these things. So I understand the shortening of that. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's you know there are there are certain films that I I I, I salivate at this for because I don't really want to go to the cinema to see them. I they they don't make the the journey for me, but I want to see them. So I, the fact that I get to see them quicker is good. Um, there's others that you know I have to deal with the fact that there's a good chance I'm going to miss them in cinemas um, and then watch them on PVOD. And if they were in cinemas for longer, I might not have. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. It, I, I think it has got quite a um, an ability to, to really shift. And this is, this is only one movie house. This is universal. But now they've struck a deal with the cinemas. Mm. You know, the fact that fast nine or whatever it's going to be is going to you know be speeding its way to pvod um just opens the door for everyone else and you know when you look at some of the others like for instance the uh the mouse house that has so much clout and weight on these things um if they decided to go their own way if they decide to do something similar or if they decided to do a shorter window and then put it on to premium like they did with mulan then then this really does start transforming how cinema progresses i think um and speaking of transforming cinema <laughs> one film that we'll have to see how quickly it comes through onto pvod <laughs> after cinema is the new transformers feature film which seems to have found its director. Um, so Paramount Pictures and Hasbro Studios are uh, in the Transformers business again, and uh, Creed II director Stephen Capel Jr. has been picked to help relaunch um, the franchise. Um, reports state that there are two new Transformers movies in the works, um, with different writers penning the scripts. The first is um, following on from the Bumblebee soft reboot element um, and continuing in that world. And the second is reportedly based upon the uh, Beast Wars uh, series. Um <laughs> I'm going to read these, and I know that that B is going, uh, T is going to feel as if these are in um, absolutely safe hands. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the scripts, and it doesn't tell me which one, is going to is currently being written by um, James Vanderbilt. Um, whose writing credits before this have been Zodiac and Independence Day Resurgence. Um, and uh, the other script seems to be being penned by Joby Harold, who uh, was one of the writers on Army of the Dead. Um, it looks like Harold's script um, is going to be the one that comes up first. And that's the one that Capel Jr. will be directing. And that, I think, is the Bumblebee sequel. It makes sense. It's a, I think it's an easier story to break, isn't it, um, than the Beast Wars one? Um, 
we also have Josh Cooley, who's the director of Toy Story 4, uh, allegedly working on an animated Transformers prequel. Um, a prequel to Bumblebee, which was a sort of prequel slash reboot of the films that we've had for however many decades now. Um, so yeah, Transformers moves forward. Uh, T, um, Beast Wars is one that we've, an incarnation we've not spoken about much. So Beast Wars was... Any fond memories of Beast, Beast Wars? Beast Wars was great. Yeah, it was um, really, <laughs> didn't get any love at the time. And then people sort of reflected that back at it. I thought, oh God, it was actually a really interesting story. I mean, being a Transformers fan is a, is a weird one anyway. It's something that gets rebooted every five minutes. The Universal changes them sort of five minutes later. Someone makes an attempt to tie it all back in together. Um, it's funny when other fandoms get all upset about, oh, no, the canon's all changed. We go through that every five minutes. Man. Uh, but Beast Wars was a continuation of the original G1 story, uh, um, the 84 cartoon. Set, set fight way, way, way in the future. Uh, the descendants of uh, the Autobots and Decepticons, now Maximals and Predacons, end up going way, way, way back in time um, uh, to the time of dinosaurs when the Ark had already crashed on, onto Earth. So you've got Optimus and Megatron all napping on a spaceship in a volcano. And in the meantime, their descendants are having a battle uh, on the planet. What was really good about the series is um, because of the limitations of CGI, it was very expensive to model new characters. So Transformers has always been about selling toys, which means every five minutes you introduce a new character um, without necessarily much of an origin. You give them a bit of a spotlight so people want to buy his toys and then you never see that person again. Beast Wars didn't do that. They actually, you know, they had their, I think, 10 odd characters that they really developed um, over that period. So you really got to know them and their motivations and all of that stuff. Um, had a sequel series, uh, Beast Machines, uh, which really went into some, you know, high concept, techno organic um, uh, stuff. Really, uh, <laughs> it was really, really, really interesting stories. Um, I don't know how well. I think if it was to work as a film today, you know, it would probably just lead into the fact that, hey, kids like dinosaurs, you know, kids like robots, let's have robots that turn into dinosaurs. And, of course, the final uh, iteration of the current toy line the, of the War for Cybertron trilogy is Kingdom, and that's all the Beast Wars toys, so all of that stuff is going to get sort of spread into the, the consciousness of Transformers fans all over again. And also in the Masterpiece line, they're probably the best of the recent Masterpiece line uh, as well. Uh, but Bumblebee sequel, sequel is far safer, far more sensible. Um, you know, uh, sort of, I think all that 80s nostalgia stuff works really well for this stuff. You, you kind of want to see, you know, a red Lamborghini and you know, an Optimus Prime truck and all of that stuff really works back then. It doesn't work so much now. You want to see Sandwave as a, as a woman rather than, yeah. uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say an iPod, but even that's ancient technology now. <laughs> so he's been an MP3. He's been um, a spy satellite. He's been um, various trucks. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a weird one with uh, 
with Soundwave and, and trying to find an alternate form for him. Um, I mean, I guess my, my, my concerns about a Beast Wars film is there are no human characters in this. It is going to be 100% CGI because it would be. You're talking about robots going back to the dawn of time. Um, so this is this is Avatar Plus in the sense that there's no, you know, there, there are no human characters. There's no interaction with anything real. And I, and I don't, I don't feel you need it, really. I mean, that scene at the start of Bumblebee in a Star on Cybertron was amazing. That's kind of all we wanted for the rest of the series, really. Yeah. Um, but I guess my, my issue is then, is that why are, you, why are you calling out and separating an animated prequel when that's what this is, in essence, is an animated film? Yeah. There's not going to be any sets. There's not going to be any, uh, you know, any, any, I mean, you, you potentially could do it as motion ca- uh, performance capture. But would you? Channing Tatum is. I'm trying, desperately trying to remember one of the, the Beast Wars oh, names. Yeah, Cheetor. 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 Was, is it rat, yep. rat Trap? Yep, there you go. Channing Tatum is <laughs> Rat Trap. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think the characters themselves are compelling enough. Um, you know, and, and when you've got the kind of the, the, the insane scaling of having, you know, your big bad as a Tyrannosaurus Rex, a giant purple Tyrannosaurus Rex, and one of your heroes as a rat, you know, the, the spectacle is still there. The size thing is still there. Um, you can have that. Uh, and, and I suppose, you know, we've got, I mean, CGI is in a, in a weird place now. If we think about Lion King and Jungle Book, where those are, those are animated films entirely, but they're sort of this kind of weird, hyper-real kind of animated film. Um, which is what you think yeah, of, which, which is what you can do it's with true. Beast Wars, whereas when you think of you know the, the prequel film, the prequel series, the animated one, you're thinking of it more of it as a traditional cartoon, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the Lion King is a, the, the, the um, John Favreau Lion King is a good shout to, to, to kind of separate it, uh, because it is for me trying to work out what's the differentiation between a Beast Wars film and, in essence, what they're doing with um, uh, uh, the Netflix series, the Siege series on Netflix. Um, it's both CG animation. It's just stylized. Different. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the visual side of it. The storytelling opportunities are, are, are hugely different, different, you know. So, so the thing around sort of uh, what Beast Wars and, and Beast Machines did, you know, the, the importance of um, organic, uh, you know, basically nature um, and looking after the environment and all of that kind of stuff was, was a big part of that. Whereas, you know, traditional Transformers is always just a hunt for more energy and the, the war for energy. But if you're saying that the Beast Wars characters are pivotal in Kingdom, then do we not get that in, well, bearing in mind how, how short Siege seems to be and how 
um, truncated it felt on series one. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Siege is, is a taster, isn't it? I mean, it was six episodes with about two episodes worth of story, right? Um, and then the, you, the yeah. next one we've got, in theory, you've got Earthrise, which, were, which would have worked if Siege was this grand epic of Cybertron and now the next thing is we're on Earth. And then, you know, if that was a great big grand story and then, the, you know, we're shifting it all up again now. We're now shifting back in time. And now, the, you know, the, the, the story is a little bit different. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's going to go down that way. I don't think any particular theme is going to be explored in any great depth, let's be honest. Um, it's, you know, probably it's working far better in the toy line because of the gaps between the different toys coming out and sort of, you know, the different kind of play features and play values that are coming, coming with that. Um, it's just a bit of additional media. I mean, it, it feels like to me when they bring out kind of a, you know, a side comic book to a film, you know, it doesn't matter if you read it. It doesn't matter if it adds to the story or not. You know, if you just want a little bit more in that world, you know, watch Siege. Uh, but basically the toys are kind of telling you the story. That's the main event. So be as, as less of a Transformers fan, but um, a fan of the Michael Bay movies, I am sure. Um, mm -hmm. How are you feeling about this? And why do you think they should just make straight move straight on to a live action remake of the 1986 Transformers film? Well, firstly, is it going to be in the cinema or is it going to be a video on demand? Because depends if it makes fifty million. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Transformers. I think as 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 a franchise is is brilliant. Um, I'm not a bigger fan of uh, Transformers as as both of you two, and and certainly not as 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 big a fan as as T is. Um, but yeah, anything which is going to be exciting fantasy filled um I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot i mean i i liked siege um it was certainly a different aspect and i still haven't seen the is it 1986 movie it is yeah i still we'll get there we'll, we'll sort out <laughs> i still haven't seen that but you know um i'm willing to give it a go um i certainly liked um um what was his name um um, Sam Wickwicky. Um, is that his name? Sam Wickwicky? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mr. LaBeouf. Um, um, and Bumblebee was certainly good. Um, I know my niece and nephew really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah. Bring it on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I... The most exciting Transformers film news for me at the moment is the studio series 1986 movie action figures that are due out shortly um uh because the 86 film is still the pinnacle for me for for transformers in the cinema um and at some point fairly soon we will work out an excuse as to why we all need to watch it and um b can give us his review it's, um i think it's on for a fiver now on amazon the hd version b Really? <laughs> okay. Is that is that still <laughs> too rich for you? Maybe for Christmas. Let's see what Santa can do. 
There you go. Charge it to charge it to the company card. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you need to splash out some of that OnlyFans money. <laughs> I don't think we got as much as that. You know, <laughs> not five pound. <laughs> no, I'm cheap. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, I I thought Creed 2 was very good, so... I'm Are you hoping to see what, for a Michael Stephen B. Jordan cameo? Is that what it's all about? Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, <laughs> in every single episode of every single everything I'm watching, you know, if if my kids have Blue Peter on, I'm hoping for a Michael B. Jordan <laughs> cameo. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's unlikely, especially as as Michael B. Jordan has um, other stuff going on, including a um, uh, a producer credit for Static Shock. It sounds like, and turning that into a live action piece yeah. for um, uh, for for DC. Yeah, um, so I, I, I'm not sure if he's going to turn up in in Creed Two, but you know, in, in uh, Transformers. But uh, I think if uh, if they're looking for someone to play opposite Channing Tatum's Rat Trap, then I think he's the, the ideal person. I do. I mean, speaking of, of voice talent, you know, they really messed, messed around with Peter Cullen and um, and the gang with uh, Siege. And I really hope, you know, they splash out a bit more money and get these guys back in. We don't need Optimus Prime impersonators playing Optimus Prime. Not when Optimus Prime is actually available and willing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, with with the money you're spending on everything, you'd think that they can kind of uh, mm-hmm. throw the coinage in the right direction. But we shall see. We shall see. It's it's um, you know, it's it it's something on the the horizon for us to to look at and to focus on. Um, you know, a, a light leading us towards it, a lantern, <laughs> if you will, lighting the way for us. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of lanterns, I was going to say I'm green with envy. Oh, that's good. So, yes, uh, HBO Max's green lanterns uh, continues to pick up pace. Um, this is one of the uh, pieces that are being uh, put together by J.J. Abraham, Abrams' um, Bad Robot company um as a production team um and has been confirmed for hbo max to feature alan scott guy gardner jessica cruz simon baz kilowog and sinestro as all parts of the green lantern series um a 10 episode inaugural season is expected with high production values um and it will be taking place across multiple timelines through the history of the iconic Lantern Corps. Um, it has now been uh, suggested or, or uh, said that um, it is going to be developed for an American TVMA rating, which is uh, means it's for mature audiences. Mm. Um, likely that this is down to profanity and violence throughout the show. Um, not hugely surprised because it's HBO Max um, and um, both Doom Patrol and Titans have the TVMA writing as well. Um, 
it's it's being developed apparently and this is this is quite the boast uh it is being developed um uh with the set of, with the production quality of a blockbuster film although being developed very much for tv uh so b um are you ready to to say the oath i am uh say so any news on casting is mr reynolds going to make an appearance no news on casting oh, it's too busy with wrexham um which is uh, the weirdest story of 2020 it which is, is <laughs> here anyway but it's brilliant um yeah I, I, you know green lantern um core is is i think one of the best unutilized um you know material out there um i think if done well it it can be such a money spinner it can be such a title um you know that there's various avenues that can go down um you know in in such rich in history um and there's so many characters uh, involved there um jessica cruz has been lighting up the comic world recently um so yeah all for it i think it'd be brilliant um when when do we get hbo max good question <laughs> yeah because you know i think the amount of ip that that they're going to have on there um i think it'll be really good investment it could be i mean it'll be interesting to see as we said with uh, the snyder cut whether it gets a um international release like um discovery has and, and titans mm. does and and others um, so it might be that Netflix, for instance, owns some of this or Amazon Prime owns some of this for um, uh, the UK and Canadian markets and beyond. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's one of the more interesting kind of things that seems to be working through on HBO, HBO Max, I think. Yeah, and the cynics um, seem to be spending tons of money in, in production costs on this. So, um, you know, it might as well be on the big screen. Um but just split into several different components. I mean, T, I'm assuming they had you with Guy Gardner. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> Hal Jordan is the least interesting of all the Green Lanterns, and the fact that you didn't mention his name means I'm in. That's great. Uh, Bad Robot has done great things in space. You know, they, mm, they, absolutely. I think everyone's great with all of that. You know, that's fine. If we think about space-based stuff now i think about like star trek discovery and all of that sort of tv shows going on the expanse things like that but that's all working really well there's really good storytelling out there and yeah you got the you've got the um i was gonna say c-list green lanterns but that's probably a bit harsh um you've got the ones who are not the boring hal jordan you know flyboy you've got all the ones with all their baggage and history and, and sinestro that's great um, you know, and there's so much material to lead on. I mean, even sort of the recent you know, the John stuff with um, um, the Sinestro War and all of that stuff. There's so much you could get from there. There's so much storytelling potential. I'd love to see, you know, Sinestro built as a proper hero and then see his downfall. Hmm. That would be worth a watch. 
And I think, you know, Kilowog is an interesting one because you can do it very much through the eyes of, of Kilowog. Um, you know, the, the Hal Jordan relationship never really kind of rang for me with Sinestro. Um, you know, the Sinestro and Abin Sur relationship is kind of the, the more locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who was his his peer, his contemporary, his equal, you know, side by side, shoulder by shoulder, brother in arms, and then watch the descent. You know, I, I, I think for me, that's a Kilowog story. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be very interesting to see how they bring it in and wreck on it. So, you know, for instance, the Alan Scott Green Lantern wasn't a core member. Hmm. That's that's a different telling of the story, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I, you know, I, I think that's the thing. And if you're doing it over multiple times, then you can do kind of, you know, the Alan Scott is almost kind of the earthbound, you know, guy with a, a, a flashy ring, and then you can kind mm-hmm. of expand that out into, you know, the, the mythos behind and the connection to, and you know, you can discover the size, scale, and scope of of the Green Lantern Corps through um, Alan Scott and whoever picks up the ring after him and however it goes through from there. Um, I mean, it is interesting that the, the, the three obvious names that are missing. Um, so we don't have... Um, uh, we don't have... Or Carl Rayner. Exactly. You know, the, mm. the big three in essence. Um, so how I'm really relieved not to have... John Stewart, I mean, we got a lot of him in the Justice League uh, cartoon. I thought it was I, really well. Yeah, I still think that he's, if you're doing, if you're going to try and do a big screen version of this as well, mm. you either as part of a team or as a standalone, um, John Stewart's your guy. Mm. Or possibly Jessica Cruz, if you want to bring it up today with the comic books. Uh, possibly, yeah, but I, I think for a generation of people, John Stewart is Green Lantern, partly because of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Um, but yeah, and and far more, you know, uh, quite a good archetype in regards to he isn't your flippant playboy kind of flyboy kind of thing. You know, he's the soldier. He's mm. he's, you know. So I I think you you can play off that quite quite heavily. I think you can play off that quite well. Um, you know, oh, I, I, I wonder think... if they'll reserve him for the movies. Yeah, that, that's my thinking as well. And uh, you know, Carl Rayner, I think I always thought the artist was quite an interesting foil for the John Stewart Marine style, Army style person. So you've got you've got the, the the war veteran, you've got the person who who you know can understand the tactics and all the rest of it. And then you've got the guy who, you know, if, if your entire power is limited only by your imagination, then, you know, the artist has such exponential ability in that. Um, also, you know, the guy who wasn't really picked, it was, ah, you'll do. You know, yeah. the guy who wasn't part of a, a, a core, actually, because by the time he got his ring, there's all the very. I mean, Kyle Rayner was my Green Lantern. He was certainly the one I was with when I got into comics, and um, everyone else I learned about afterwards. He uh, was also one of the sort of the the young guys in in his Justice League. Yes. So him and um, Wally West 
whether sort of the generation, the next generation of heroes mixing with Batman and Superman and the kind of hardcore heroes. Uh, and I can I can see the reason not to do Kyle Rayner in in this. Um, I think I think they've they've gone with some really good characters here. I think mm-hmm. it's it's the right mix. Feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like there's a good combination. I mean, I I, I worry, um, as, you know, and I was fairly critical with Witcher on pits of this. You know, ten episodes when you're going to do kind of space and time and stuff. Um, it feels a lot of distance to travel and a lot of stories to tell unless you're going to wrap it up almost like a Green Lantern anthology. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a long, a singular long story chopped up into 10 episodes. So I've just finished my Discovery rewatch and I've started my Mando rewatch. Um, and, you know, Discovery with its kind of long arcs with, with each season and kind of ups and downs is how it goes. Uh, more ups and downs than, say, Picard, where it was just kind of had a level and then dropped. Um, what's great about the Mando rewatch is um, is whilst there is an ongoing story, each episode is so sort of self-contained as well. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, this is the, the Jawas episode. This is the Prison Break episode. This is, you know... Um, and you can just watch them. And even as I was sitting down to do the rewatch, I, I thought... Oh, I, I don't have to do this in order. I could just watch my favorites. It's fine. Uh, which is what, you know, TV was like. And, and um, when I watch old episodes of TNG, I'd never start at season one. I just kind of pick episodes I fancy watching. Um, and I think that's what they could do with this. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that, um, I don't think they will. I, I think that you're going to run for a, um, well, actually, no, I said that, but, you know, reading this quote, um, I think you have to approach it. So this is Mark Guggenheim, who's the series co-creator. Um, he said, I don't think it worked. Uh, um, let me start at the beginning of the quote rather than keep jumping, trying to jump in the middle of it. I happen to believe, and this is not a universally held opinion, that you can't do a 10-hour show or an eight-episode show like an eight-hour movie. I don't think uh, that works when I see it done. There's always some flabby episodes in the middle. I think you have to approach it like a TV series and approach each episode like its own entity. Even though it's streaming, even though hopefully people will binge it, you've got to make each episode a satisfying meal. You've got to look at it with a different tempo that you would have for a two-hour movie. That being said, certainly with the the show for HBO Max that we're working on, we are approaching it with the production ambitions of a movie. Uh, and I think that's right. I think that 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 understanding of it needs to live in both worlds kind of thing needs to be the right thing. You know, it's it, it, the, 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 our level of expectation of TV spectacle, I think, has been spoiled by the likes of Game of Thrones and, and some of the others and that level of, of expense and and um, ability. And, you know, be, have you still have you got over the last series yet? No. No, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it is. It has to be its own entity and it has to be... I, I do think it's it's as much as it's episodic, I think that there's an ability to make it kind of self-contained stories, which which probably interest me more than... than I mean, you can have an arc, but, but you know, yeah, similar in regards right. to... 
I mean, that's what yeah. they're doing in Discovery, aren't they, at the moment? Um, they're, they're kind um, of self-contained, but there is an overarching arc. And Mandalorian as well. It, it yeah. feels like we're on the side missions on the quest. Mm. Yeah, and, th- and that's what you want. I mean, you know, I'd love for the, the Alan Scott one to be the 1940s episode. And, and you know, you get to live like a Greenland in 1940s. Killer, Killer Wog 1 is entirely in space. He doesn't have to visit Earth and, and bump into Simon Baz. That can just be his, you know, his history with uh, Sinestro. All of that stuff would work really well, I think. I believe so. Uh, It's one of the most interesting of the IPs that's that's being worked through for me um, because I don't think it's been done right. You know, we we had the film um, and I'm sure that, B, you you have a a special place in your heart for the film? Uh, This is correct. (laughs) It's not... Look, if you take the film for what it is... It's a good movie. It's a good, entertaining ride. Ooh. I like it the bit where he smashed a guy right through a wall and definitely killed him just for fighting with. <laughs> <laughs> I like the bit where he recreated the 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 racetrack that he gave his nephew for his birthday. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I like the bit where he was just an arsehole for the entire film, <laughs> no redeeming yeah. characteristics whatsoever. But I like the bit his where his, his his clever disguise was pulled, called out in seconds of like, dude, I know what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a hard watch. As 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 much of a Ryan Reynolds fan as I am, as much of a Blake Lively fan as I am, um, as much of a Green Lantern fan as I am, it's a hard watch. Um, it does it does. Yeah, I mean, it's got some moments, but uh, I mean, I thought Mark Strong as um, mm-hmm. Sinestro was very yeah, good. Very good, yeah. Um, but again, just, you know, a very hard watch. And again, you know, it felt far more like the, as you were saying, the Kyle Rayner's origin of, ah, good enough, I'm going to die, you're close, you'll do. Because there was no element that we saw up until that that gave us this kind of belief that he's the best of us so yeah it was it was a it was a bit of a weird weird watch but um no i'm excited about this because i think it gives us a chance to kind of delve into just the the size and scale and you know my mark bernardin who is on um the fat man beyond podcast with kevin smith um was saying that the bit he struggled with with Green Lantern was he was watching it with his son, and his son was saying, "So, so these this is a like a, a, a police force throughout the galaxy, yes, and there's thousands of these, yes, and every place in place in space has its own Green Lantern, yes, and this guy is new, yes, and he's not the best of them, no." So why is he the story that we're following? <laughs> why why are we going off and watching any of the other far more interesting, interesting to look at, interesting to follow, good at their job? You know, why are we on Earth? Why 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 are we why are we, you know, landing helicopters on 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 tracks when we could be doing 
so much more. But surely flaws sell. And it's more interesting to see a flaw in someone than it, there is to see a perfect person. Because that, that that's not going to sell in any respect whatsoever. I think... Al I Jordan mean, you're right. The, the 1977 Superman film made no money at all. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think there needs to be a balance. I, I absolutely take your point. And, you know, as facetious as I was there, I take your point in the sense that, you know, they are, they are the bits. But we've seen... We've seen that balance done with Superman in the Christopher Reeve films. We've seen that done with Captain America really well in the sense of, you know, uh, there, there is something visceral to all of us. I've been in the cinema with you two as he has stood up and said, I can do this all day. And all of our hairs have gone on, on the end because, you know, you just believe him and you just, you know, his heart's never going to give up. Um, but again, he had a flaw, as we saw in Civil War. What they snogged the niece of his <laughs> that's, future that's, that's a big flaw. Wife. <laughs> no, oh. I'm going to say that you know the fact that you know he there there was a time where he he could have stood up and in and, and be absolutely counted, but he he decided to fight. Surely that's 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 human nature. That's that's flaw. If you see what I'm trying uh, well, to say. Yeah, but again, is that the flaw or is that the strength? Because he decided to stand and fight and, you know, there was a principle and he wouldn't go past it. And you could even say his blind devotion to, to Bucky is his flaw. Mm. But again, you know, at the end of it, this is his friend and it's his friend from his only friend left, basically, from a time that is forgotten and, you know, has always had his back. So it's that blind loyalty of it doesn't matter. You know, that's that's that's... You know, he's my best friend, so was I, kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it's difficult because even even those points you can look at and kind of go, it's 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 his Achilles' heel, but it's also his strength. And for me, Hal Jordan didn't have enough balance of that. You know, he was a he was a guy who who blew up lots of planes by doing stuff that he shouldn't have done with a little bit of a death wish because his dad died and it really became quite muddy as to what he was and who he was and where he was and why he was. Um, so the fact that, you know, this ring has picked him because it sees something great in him that we just don't really kind of get to feel. I thought it's that last bit, right? It's, we didn't get to see him become great. So that's I, I I agree. B, you know, you, you need a flawed hero that makes sense, but you there needs to be some sort of redeeming characteristic. And I just felt, you know, he, he's a horrible pilot. He's a horrible boyfriend. He's a horrible uncle. Whatever roles that he had in the film, he was just really fucking awful at. Uh, he was sort of likable because he's Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Reynolds is is charming, but the character and all his actions and all of that stuff were just. He's an ass. He was an ass all the way through. He just happened to sort of get the ring, um, and it didn't seem to improve him in any way. And again, maybe going on, he would have if we had an opportunity to to to, to live in that skin a little bit more and, and revisit and whatever else. But um, we lost the opportunity. CGI, and maybe we get CGI skin. 
Yeah, I mean, there were some interesting choices, weren't there? Mm. Um, I was fine with the costume. I quite liked the costume. I felt it distracted at points. Um, uh, you know, I, I think they could have gone a different way ever so slightly, but it's it's not it's not the highest on my list of. Yeah, I, I, I like that it looked sort of weird and alien, and you know, not just like some pajamas the guys put on. That was alright for me. And I mean, if, if we think back to the production, and I, I don't know how this is going to be a London episode, but of production of the film, you know, it was. They threw money at it really late into production to add more. I think it was after the trailer came out and everyone was like, oh, no, there's nothing in space. And they threw a whole ton of money at it to say, right, okay, go film some more stuff in space and add CGI to it. Um, and then suddenly it stopped being, you know, they tried to stop making it Van Wilder with a ring. I mean, really I will have no, nothing bad about Van Wilder party liaison. <laughs> if it taught me anything it taught me don't take life too seriously you'll never get out alive maybe Tara Reid's finest work um, I thought that was um, uh, I was going to say Angel 4 but not Angel 4 um, The Crow 4 oh it's up there that's a good shout I did forget that yeah I was, I was thinking whether one of the Sharknados came close but um, she was very good in, in Crow 4, Wicked Prayer. Mm. Which you can hear all about last week as we talked about our Guilty Pleasure films in the archives, wherever you are listening to this pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan Reynolds as, as Green Lantern didn't feel the weirdest of um, castings when it was made. Nowhere near as weird as Ryan Reynolds, owner of Wrexham AFC Football Club. Um, that feels far more of a weird casting. Um, but interestingly, the, the, there are very many rumours abuzz at the moment about other castings and other roles and other things that people are looking at. Um, so I thought we'd go through some of these. I've only got four, but um, they're quite interesting. Uh, so I thought I'd get your feelings on on these as potential castings. Um, so we will start with... Um, uh, we will start with uh, John Boyega um, uh, from um, Star Wars uh, fame mo- most recently, um, Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is eyeing up um, and uh, has started to uh, talk about how happy he would be to take on another franchise. Uh, John Boyega is talking about why he feels he would be equipped to take on the role of James Bond. Yes, 100%. Can we see John Baega as James Bond? Is he sophisticated enough? I mean, would he be able to pull that suave sophistication? I mean, I I, I really would love to see Idlis Ablett. Idlis, oh, I can't say his name. Idris Elba. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's the side of talking. I... I I'm with you, but again, you know, so Idris Elba himself is someone who has been described by the um, the, the, the uh, Fleming estate um, as too urban for oh, James God. Bond. What? Um... Which 
yeah, it's it's hard not to feel that that's a comment on skin tone rather than voice tone, mm. isn't it? Um, I but, mean, uh, John Wake yeah. wouldn't be playing, you know, attack the block, James Bond, would he? He wouldn't be <laughs> Q Brav, I'm coming. <laughs> uh, Although I'd be there for that film as well. Yeah. <laughs> because ultimately he's meant to be a spy. And I can't imagine, you know, Pierce Brosnan's James Bond being able to spy on anything, really, with his swarmy lines and things like that in James well. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because it feels um, out, out of place when we're talking about that kind of behaviour as a spy. But um, I, I adore the Kingsman films yeah. and am waiting patiently for both the Kingsman and the extension of that franchise. Um, so if I can get behind Eggsy doing it, uh, then then surely I can get behind someone mm. else doing it. But um yeah, I mean it's an interesting one. I I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I'm well up for it. John Berg as James Bond. So uh, the, the James Bond rumours have been that the 007 role is is being passed on uh, to another actor or the the other actor in the film, right? Yes, which is the female lead, isn't it? So she'll be the new. 007 and presumably carrying on the franchise, but not as James Bond, obviously. It's yeah, I mean, the bit that they've never really established, and, and Skyfall was going to go some way to do this apparently, and then didn't. Was that James Bond is a moniker and a code name, not a birth name? Mm. So, um, Daniel Craig was not born to the Bond family and and you know named James. Yeah. He is the latest person to take on the 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 007 James Bond moniker. Um and the idea in Skyfall was that Skyfall wasn't his ancestral home but was almost like a retirement um home for former 00 agents and former James Bonds and allegedly what they were trying to do is get a cameo and a uh, appearance from Sean Connery mm-hmm. um, yeah. as uh, you know, so he would have taken the caretaker style role that we saw in Skyfall yeah. um, as a retired bond. And that would have been your letting people understand why this, this moves element. I would have worked. I mean, that's been a popular fan theory for a long time and that would have been amazing. If it wasn't for the yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen killing Sean Connery's love for cinema. That was a great movie. Um, <laughs> I love it, Pete. It was. It was a good movie. <laughs> um, Stephen Norrington. <laughs> I'm going to be heartbroken when you don't like Transformers 1986. <laughs> Bearing around some of the films that you, you write, if you hate Transformers 1986, I, I might have to find a new podcast. <laughs> Um, I, I don't feel I could kick you off of this one, so I might just have to leave. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I guess my my coolness on John Boyega as James Bond is is more to the fact that James Bond isn't a franchise that does it hugely for me. Mm. Um, 
my my brother-in-law is a bond fanatic and is counting down the minutes until no time to die um uh, and, and and all the rest um but for me uh, outside of um bank holiday weekend afternoon watching they don't hold any real kind of um uh, sway in my heart in that sort of way um so I, I I'm 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 not so is I'm less it's not me being cool on Boyega being James Bond. It's me being cool on anyone being James Bond. I think. Yeah, it's it's weird how the franchise has got. It's a bit like the Mission Impossible films, or even like the Fast and the Furious films. They sort of they come out um, and they're fun to watch when you watch them, and then they don't have any great impact on the world, and you sort of forget about them and. If someone asks me, you know, which one did I watch last, I probably couldn't tell you. I know, I know last yeah. time I watched Skyfall or Casino Royale because I liked those very much. Um, but I couldn't tell you. The rest are all sort of interchangeable for me. Um, the storylines are all interchangeable. I can't remember who was in which one. Yeah. And it's the same with Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of where we, where I personally fall with some of it. Um, so let's move on to the next casting idea, um, which uh, suggests that Zendaya, um, currently everyone's favourite Mary Jane, um, is keen to be Batgirl. Ooh. B. Would she work as Batgirl for you? Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, obviously, she's been in Marvel movies, so would that kill her off as being a DC uh, franchise? Um, but yeah, she's, she's certainly a good good actress, um, actor. Um, you know, uh, she's young. Um, would certainly be good. I'm trying to think where we'd have Batgirl. Are we talking Batgirl in the the Batman sort of series? With um, because that's so early in his career, I'd want to see a lot more of just him before we get into the Bat family. Or are we talking something? Yeah, specific? and that's the thing. I think so. You know, bearing in mind the Batman that we're about to watch is. Um, uh, not even Commissioner Gordon, is it? I mean, it's, mm. it's Detective Gordon. Mm. Um, for her to be Jeffrey Wright's daughter, um, feels, yeah, as you said, quite young. It feels like she should be maybe five, possibly ten at this point. It feels like, you know, and it depends, you know, wibbly wobbly, timely wimey, where you jump next, blah, blah, blah. Um, so you could you could then scoot ahead and it's Batman year 10 rather than Batman year one kind of thing. Um, the, the period of time but, where we have Batgirls and Robins and all of that stuff, Batman's in a far more sort of wholesome place. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't want to get to there just yet. Wholesome in a 
in a collecting children to be his his <laughs> trained army. Yeah, yeah. Well, about as wholesome as Batman gets. Let's be honest. But you know, yeah. it, <laughs> um, there is a yeah. support structure. It's not just one man's complete utter insanity and his butler enabling him. Um, you know, Dick Grayson is there making jokes and calling everything uh, Batmobile and a Batarang and about something and about something else. Um, yeah. So yes, if there's going to be a Batgirl, then yeah, Zendaya is a make makes sense. Um, I guess I just don't want to see Batgirl yet. I want to see more of this kind of only based Batman for a while longer. I mean, I guess part of this is I've I've automatically gone Batgirl as in Barbara Gordon Batgirl rather than um, any of the other women who have taken that that kind of mantle. Um, yeah, but even even I, then, I, guess... I mean, we don't. I mean, we could have sort of Helena Martinelli. You could have. Uh, because of Cassie Kane, um, much later, much later in his career, really. I, I mean, I don't know. Bruce Wayne's daughter. Yep. Yeah. yeah I mean, Elseworlds style story, um, similar to the Joker. Hmm. Um. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, speaking of Joker, uh, Johnny Depp apparently is eager to play the Joker, feeling that is an Oscar waiting to happen. Well, that certainly is, um, sounds really good. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's hard to, to talk about Johnny Depp in this role at the moment, given uh, absolutely the furore that surrounds him, um, but uh, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to kind of see how that would work through. Um, I mean, he's 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 got the the chops for it, hasn't he? Mm. He's got the ability to to work through and and kind of do the depth of it. Um, whether he'd be able to take on do a different take that isn't just a Tim Burton esque <laughs> this is true version of you know I, I I'd be interested to see how you can take the Joker in a different way after what we've seen so far um, so yeah an interesting one um, T uh, Johnny Depp like is the I've Joker seen it I can picture it it's fine I don't need to see it I want to. I want some someone new, someone different, someone interesting, or or you know, someone just fucking crazy. I want I want Nick Cage Joker. <laughs> I I would love my next Joker to be a smaller performance. Um, you know, I, if you think about what uh, Jaquin Phoenix did with the Joker, it was it was quite a small performance for a lot of the film. Um, and that kind of gave you that 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 slight nervousness. I feel, um, as in he played it small, yeah. not as if he, yeah. you know it was a small performance. Mm. Um, but he didn't he he didn't do the you know the the over the top kind of Jack Nicholson or or Jared Leto style you know flamboyance of it. Um, 
and, and even you know less of kind of like the um the stylized stuff we saw with um Heath Ledger um so yeah I, I, I that 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 quiet chaos I think would be quite an interesting kind of take on him I mean I um, think we can let Joker rest for a little while you know he's obviously got the big role in the comics but Batman, more than any other hero, has enough of an interesting villain's gallery, rogue's gallery, for us to play with some other characters before we need to go back to Joker. Um, and given that it's just had its own feature film, let's let's let that breathe for a bit. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd concur with that. But I, I can't see them happening. I can't see that happening. I think I think they'd be worried yeah. to leave it alone. Um, but no, I agree. Um, and then the final one for us to discuss is uh, Johnny Depp's ex-wife, or soon to be ex-wife. I think it is ex-wife, Amber Heard. Um, apparently, uh, wishes to be Black Cat in in the Spider Verse. Could we see her as our Felicia Hardy? I'm trying to think of Amber Heard performances in films. No, I'm really struggling. Apart from Aquaman. Yeah. So Mira, yeah, yeah I was going to say Mira and Aquaman's kind of the obvious one. Mm. Um, I can't off the top of my head think of anything I mean, else she's, she's a beautiful lady who wants to play a beautiful character. So fine. There's nothing, I guess, about her performance that's making me think, right, she's, you know, nothing about her performance as Mira. Or nothing, there was nothing memorable about the performance anyway, but, you know, that makes me think, right, sort of cheeky Felicia Hardy stuff works there. Um, I, meh. Um, Magic Mike XXL? Three Days to Kill, Machete Kills. Oh, Machete Kills. Um, Zombieland. She was she was yeah. pumping four oh six in Zombieland. Um not really anything drastically that you'd point to as her, her standout performance. So apart think. from basically being uh, an attractive uh, lady, there's nothing specific that makes her right for this role. So in that case, no. I'd say I'm sure there are people who could do far more interesting performances there. So she was in an uh, Academy nominated film in 2005 called North Country. Um, uh, where she played Charlize Theron's character in flashbacks. Uh, Alpha Dog. I, I think she was all right in Alpha Dog. But yeah. Uh, Rum Diary, which was with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Not, not really anything that jumps out. Trademarks. This is IMDb. Trademarks. Often plays sexualized teenagers. Typecast. In Friday Night Lights, Alpha Dog, Hidden Palms, Never Back Down, and All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. 
I mean, that, that's covering like four years of her career from 2004 to 2008. But uh, yes, often. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, I'm fine. B, you know, is that floating your boat or does it leave you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think T kind of hit the nail on the head there, really. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think Black Cat deserves someone who, who can do the character justice, um, not just someone who who's going to glam it up um, and be a name. You know, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite keen on, on getting new characters and. And, and new people to play new characters rather than just regurgitate the same old people, um, you know, wherever there is someone good to play, someone comes out the woodwork and throws an eight, you know, their hat in the ring. Um, you know, there there is plenty of talent out there. Let's, let's find that talent and nurture it and, and give it an opportunity. A fair shout, and so say all of us. Um, but, you know, in a world where we're talking about you know, Black Cat getting a, a getting screen time, you know, it's it, 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 a bizarre time that we're living in, that these characters are, are all feasible and possible and, and working through and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, so we may stop short of recommending Amber Heard for Black Cat, um, but let's see what other recommendations we do have for the week. Um, I shall go first um, this week. Uh, and my recommendation is a film that was released in Japan as Captain Supermarket. Brilliant. Either of you know what it is? Nope. <laughs> um Captain Supermarket. I, I, I tell you, as, as descriptions go, it does make sense the moment you get into it. Now, I'll tell you my logic on this. My logic was I was pulling this together and I was talking, I was reading up about um, the writers of um, the multiple mm. Transformers films. And I was looking at their previous credits, including Independence Day Resurgence and Zodiac and Army of the Dead. Oh, my God. And for a minute, no <laughs> it was probably only a minute. It was only a minute, but I thought that Joe B. Harold was possibly responsible for writing one of the greatest films of all time. And then I realized it was the Army of the Dead and not my recommendation for the week, Army Even of Death Darkness. Tree. Very good. Captain Supermarket. That's very good. Captain Supermarket. Shop smart, <laughs> right. shop S smart. Um, yeah, uh, so the third of the Evil Dead films. Um, Ash uh, at the end of Evil Dead 2 um, doesn't quite get the words right um, and therefore opens up a portal that sucks him plus the Deadites back to 1300 AD um, and he has to fight uh, all of the Deadites um, as well as Evil Ash spoilers uh, and recover the Necronomicon to save the world um, uh, in medieval times um, it's batshit crazy and it's amazing and it's um, funny and it's bizarre and it's got some good jump scares and um, 
more red corn syrup than you could possibly <laughs> ever, ever, ever need. Um, I still uh, live in a little bit of hope that the alternate ending where he miscounts the drops that he needs to do to get himself back to his own time and yep. wakes up in an apocalyptic future becomes a story because I just think that would be amazing. Um, you know, Evil Dead, Mad Max style combo. Um, but yes, uh, Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness, um, probably my favorite of the um, uh, Evil Dead films um, uh, is my recommendation. Very good, very good. It's the first Evil Dead film I've watched, actually. Um, then I went back to watch the other two. Yes. Uh, so good. In fact, having yeah. watched that one, I then watched the first Evil Dead, expecting similar kind of tone. Uh, what's going on here? Yes. Um, and I, I think this is all pre-internet days, There's... so I couldn't just like look up and understand what was going on. And then watched Evil Dead 2, really confused, thinking, am I just watching the same film again? It was a long time before I could figure it all out. With, I mean, Evil Dead 2 is Evil yes, Dead with the tone exactly of Evil right. Dead 3. It's, it's, it's this weird kind of... Uh, and it, it's not... It's not actually a sequel. It's just, uh, it's not actually a, a remake. It is a sequel, but it's a sequel of pretty much the same film. But, you know, Ash is a little bit more like Ash and, and they go a little bit more crazy with it. Um, so, yeah, just, just, just amazing. Uh, see, what's your recommendation? Um, we talked about Green Lantern earlier. Uh, I think I touched upon it. I'd recommend the. Um... The Green Lantern run, I think it's the New 52 run, or the one just before that, Jeff Johns' run, basically, on Green Lantern and simultaneously Green Lantern Core. Uh, in particular, I think the Green Lantern Core comics at the time were, were really good. Um, and they sort of uh, come together for the Sinestro Core War. Um, and the, the series continues on and has a, has a lot of really interesting things beyond that. I think just picking up the Green Lantern comics and the Green Lantern Core comics all the way up until I think issue 26, where they have the Sinestro Core War and you kind of go back and forth between each issue as you carry on. Um, it's a really well-told story. Um, and even if you don't know the history of, um, of all the Green Lantern stuff, it sort of fills you in along the way. And it does it so well that you, you feel like you do. You feel like you know that history. Um, it, it's very well told. Um, so I think it will end up being about 50-odd issues altogether. But a very good read. I mean, you know, you'll have to pick up pace to, to get all of that done before <laughs> next week's episode. But, um, yeah, definitely one to, to check out. And, uh, B, what about yourself? What would you re be recommending this right, week? So I want to start off by saying toss a coin to your Witcher. But the making of The Witcher. So it's 32 minutes long, available on Netflix, and it's brilliant. I love it. Um, I stumbled across it by complete accident um, on a Saturday afternoon, and I thought, this is really good. It kept me entertained. Yeah, it, it tells you a little bit about uh, the story, uh, the characters, um, and obviously with Witcher 2. Um, season two, round the corner. Um, I think it's it's well worth a watch. 
so I haven't checked that out yet, but it is on my list because as much as I was a little bit up and down on The Witcher, maybe even more down than up, um, I love the making offs. You know, I've, I've, I've talked about the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian one, um, and various other things like uh, Doomed the Air of Fantastic Four story and uh, a few other, you know, those behind the scene kind of making offs for me are... Um, sometime even more interesting than the actual product. So I can't wait to check it out. Good. And how much uh, naked Henry Cavill is in there? And that... Uh, there's, there, there's a fair bit of Henry Cavill. <laughs> Definitely watching now. With or without moustache. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, so um, I now have to, to follow naked Henry Cavill. Um uh, so I shall just get out of the way uh, and say thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining in the conversation at Geeking in Pod. Uh, tell us what you're watching. Tell us what you're recommending. Recommending. Um, look after each other. Uh, keep dosing up on the Beachums, um, and we shall speak to you Adios. next week. Bye bye. Cheerio. 